0: everybody, welcome back to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast that's been sitting in the back of your fridge for about a year now, and you should probably go check on us. My name is Jeremy Greer, I'll be your host, along with along with my buddy over here, Chris. Chris, I don't know why I'm stumbling over the intro of this podcast, it's been has been one of those kind of days, man. How, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, and you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you mess up my own name, because... You did a great job in remembering the name of the podcast, and that's all that matters.
0: (laughs) And if this podcast had outtakes, people would know eventually how much of a liar you are. Uh, We're back... we, uh, this is a podcast where Chris and I are covering all of the episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, eventually the movie, uh, basically all of the Cowboy Bebop material that we can get our hands on, I think. Uh, this is the first day that we've recorded uh, since, this is actually the first day since we have released all of these to the public. Uh, and, yeah. the, and the response, the very early response has been very, very flattering and very great. We, we are so glad that you guys left the show. We're so glad. I'm sorry that I teased it so much on our Discord. I, I spent like the last 30 days just like <laughs> constantly making references to this thing uh, so thank you so very much for all of, to all of our patrons for making this happen and then also like enjoying this now that we put it out.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, really gratifying. We've both been super excited about this. I think that's why it's been teased so much. We kind of just couldn't help ourselves. It's true. Uh, it's just really great talking about something that kicks this much ass
0: yeah absolutely and it's something that's so tonally and completely different than say a supernatural tv show or a a witcher book um like i I like the fact that we are we're kind of branching out into different territories and uh i'm excited about the future i mentioned this on the discord and if if you guys missed that uh this will probably be our two shows that we do for a while uh until we either finish bebop or we finish all of the witcher novels i'm sorry i can't say (laughs) that without laughing um so this will probably be like our three up until the point where uh the bond of the week's presents patreon rewards start kicking in and and you right. guys can suggest stuff for us so and we'll start figuring out how to cover that as it's popping up which will be sometime uh next month or the month after like it'll be soon yeah, like I it's really so. soon yeah. I'm, I'm really worried that people like 18 people are gonna be like okay we need you to cover 18 different tv shows <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway uh i think that's it uh do you want to just jump into these two sessions yeah, let's do it. Cool. We're going to start with uh, Session 11, Toys in the Attic, written by Machiko Yakote. A mysterious something is sneaking around the bebop and biting the crew, living nasty purple welts. Eventually, Ooh. Spike is the only one left and must prepare himself to save the ship. Uh, I, I really enjoy this episode. I think the, the, the first thing that came to mind... Uh, when it started, kind of unfolding is like this is very much alien, like the original Alien yeah. movie, and it yeah. goes down to like to the point of flamethrowers and audio cues for closeness. Like it's it's very much a homage to to that.
1: Yeah, it's making a lot of references to a lot of great horror movies, but it comes together so well, which I don't know why i'm acting like i'm surprised at all at this point i think this is one of my favorite episodes it's it's such a great standalone story the way that it ends too is like it almost didn't matter at all yeah Um, i really really like that the the
0: the way that it's 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 not the way this show does endings in general i think is very good like they don't really care yeah. about con, they care about consequence because things can will happen in the next episode that that you know callback or that reference the uh the, the previous episode but they don't really seem to care about wrapping everything up like they don't really care that they yeah. th- are going to explain every single possible outcome of anything which is which is really nice mm-hmm. um so we start with a uh, kind of a, a first-person view. Everything is colored red. It definitely looks like something is crawling mm-hmm. through the vents. At first, I thought it was like a tube of flesh, which is even weirder. Uh, but it, yeah, that's it, what it
1: looks like. And then you realize like there's cobwebs, and it's like, okay, this is clearly crawling through something. Some vent or whatever.
0: The way the show is structured, this episode, uh, or excuse me, this session is structured is as, uh, as around lessons, which I think are, are very interesting. <laughs> like just the way that these, yeah. are, these these all roll out. Did you write these down or um, should, should we? I did. I did. did. Okay, cool. So we're going to start with uh, Jet, who is basically doing like a captain's log, star date, yada, yada, yada. He yeah. even says star log or something, and is it, basically giving us like our first lesson here.
1: Mm hmm. Um, and Jet, he's he's talking about how it's great being self-employed. Like, he's literally giving a, a monologue, which is something mm-hmm. we don't really get in Cowboy Bebop. But he's talking about how great it is to be self-employed, um, and how they have all this freedom. But then when you're out of money, um, or you don't have a job, then there's nothing to do. You start getting desperate, and he's, like, leading into this situation. Um, and the first thing that we see here, before I think we get his actual lesson, but the first thing we see here is Jet and Faye, and they're playing, um, what is it, Craps? I actually don't know what this game is called.
0: This, this is not craps. Uh, I don't know if it's... I mean, I'm sure, no, the, it's I'm sure it has a game, but it's basically just dice. Like, it's it's basically... She's rolling... It's, yeah, yeah. She's She's it's got dice in craps. a cup. Um, <laughs> she slams it down, and someone's calling even, someone's calling odds. And uh, you'll find out in just a little bit this is actually strip dice. So whoever loses, loses a piece of clothing. Yes. And it becomes immediately obvious that Faye is cheating. Like, she has something that can control the dice roll. So
1: she can mm-hmm. do this, which is and really And also funny. Jet is in his boxers.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Jet gets c- completely in the buff in this episode episode which i like Faye like cheats that dude out of his underwear which i find hilarious yeah. and then tells him that she's going to rent it back to him that's
1: Faye for you i love Faye-ness. um so while they're they're playing dice uh we see spike like frying kebabs with a blowtorch um trying to make some food and ed is just sleeping chilling out mm-hmm. um this is where we start to see things slip it's like the first thing like if this were a horror movie which is this that's how this session is presented to us if this were a horror movie this is your first sign that things aren't aren't quite right because jet is forced to fully strip and then spike burns the kebabs or whatever the hell that he's trying to eat here um and then we get another shot of this thing scurrying around it's first person view everything's red we don't know where it is it looks like it's in the vent um we see a rat fleeing from whatever this point of view is mm-hmm. um and then Ein the dog is alerted to something. Ein starts barking at the vents or sniffing around like uh, the, the animal instincts are kicking in. Yes. Um, and so naked ass Jet <laughs> goes back into the storage room, and this is where we get lesson one. There's like a title card for it, white screen with like red yeah. and blue writing, really and it cool. says lesson one. And Jet says. This is Jet's lesson, apparently. Humans were meant to work and sweat to earn a living. Those that try to get rich quick or live at the expense of others all get divine retribution somewhere along the line. That's the lesson. Unfortunately, we, we quickly forget the lessons we've learned, and then we have to learn them all over again. Uh, and this is clearly, he's a little bit frustrated that he just lost his uh, his drawers to Faye. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so he's talking about people getting what they deserve and how you have to work hard for a living and never take the shortcuts, even though I don't think that that's necessarily always true of Jet, but that is definitely the, the philosophy that he subscribes to
0: and while he's narrating this we see him walk into the cargo bay and he's finding this blanket to cover himself up with because he doesn't have any clothes anymore <laughs> yeah. and he notices this mysterious fridge in the back of the cargo bay that he's never seen before which is something kind of weird like why would that why would i put a fridge back here and why would i hide this fridge back here um then we switch over to lesson two um this time it's from Faye, and uh, we're gonna kinda get Faye's perspective on this uh do you have this one written down as well.
1: I do. Yeah. So, Faye's lesson. This is lesson two. Again, we get the title card, uh, and Faye says, "Survival of the fittest. It is the law of nature. We deceive or we are deceived. Thus, we flourish or perish. Nothing good ever happened to me when I was when I trusted others. That is the lesson. Um, this is extremely Faye. Basically, it's yes. not even like kill or kill or be killed. It's deceive or be deceived. Um, like basically her entire philosophy of of her relationship with these men or uh, anybody else i guess that we've ever, Faye has ever known is never one of honesty i said that in a really confusing way um but but Faye is always about always about deception even when it's just a simple game of dice with her coworker she is deceiving them in some way because i think she and we're going to actually see that in the next session as, as well she's so afraid of other people hurting her, or other people deceiving her, that she's always just working to take advantage of them first.
0: And That's what I like about this is um, like this sums up. This gives you a, a a glimpse into her character based on what we've we've seen over the last. Um, I think she showed up in episode three, so seven episodes or so. Um, mm-hmm. But this really foreshadows the the events that's going to happen in the next session that we're going to be talking about, which I think is really really cool. Yeah, um, she is. Uh, she, she spike kind of shows up during the middle of this and is you know trying to eat this weird food that he's burnt <laughs> and uh, basically tells her like hey why don't you give the dude his clothes back and that's when she goes through the thing about renting them um and here the the alarms start start blaring out yeah. and everybody runs back to where jet is in this cargo
1: area and he is, or he he's he's okay, but he says something that something bit him on the back of the neck, and they're like, okay, obviously it was just a rat. And then Ein comes in and starts growling at something and, and runs off. I think after a rat, but um, he said Jet says that they're kind of like whatever Jet, like you're fine, buddy. But he says that there's a bite mark on the back of his neck, um, and isn't really sure what happened. But he tells Spike that there was something uh, by the old fridge. And this is where we have spike who's like the old fridge like hmm 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 that, he's got something seems in his memory. He's like, I feel like there was something but he's like nah, something forget about there. it and he's uh, not the type of character who's gonna like keep thinking about it he's just like I can't think of it so screw it who cares
0: yeah I, this dude would be terrible at trivia right because he's just I don't care. know it so I don't care and I'm just gonna walk away from this table now get your own beers yeah. everybody yeah. um <laughs> we get this scene where Jet is basically asking Spike for some medicine and Spike has all of these like herbal um, almost like a caricature of what you would consider like eastern remedies right like he has Mm -hmm. uh, scorpions that you grind up into some green goop and weird lizards and other foul looking stuff and Jet is kind of not having this he just wants some I think what he says something different (laughs) like without trying to say something normal like he's struggling over his words he's like just give me some goddamn earth medicine please like I want some Mm -hmm. neosporin I don't want that you're weird neoscorpion Spike is telling
1: he needs to liquefy and drink a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> it gets gross. And maybe it works,
0: Uh, and but he tries it. Um, Even though Faye walks in and they start, and Faye and Spike keep going back and forth about how terrible this 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 concoction smells. Uh, I think they finally settle on like burnt tires with some uh, like sulfur or
1: something. Like it's we're trying to one up each other on how bad this thing smells. And uh, Jet is just looking back and forth like I have to actually drink this, you know.
0: So he does, and then he immediately passes out and falls on the floor, and Spike thinks it's a joke until he doesn't get up. Uh, And then we kind of switch over. Jet is laying out on this couch while Spike has something kind of hooked up to him, some... some, some kind of weird contraption, some weird gizmo, and is basically trying to figure out what virus has infected him and can't find anything in the database. Like, it's not Ebola, it's not co- cholera, cholera. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's
1: naming off all of these, like, diseases or infections that it could be. And with each one that he names, uh, that he he runs a test on, we see, like, Jet's face, like, tense up in, like, horror. And then he relaxes when he says like, it's not cholera, it's not Ebola, whatever. <laughs> uh, but they can't figure out what he is, despite. Uh, Spike pulling a full like CSI Miami, CSI Bebop. He's not able to figure out what it is.
0: No, and in the background we have Ein constantly barking at something. He's going crazy. The all of our Faye and Spiker motel him to shut up. Ed shows up and she starts going kind of, yeah, kind Ed of crazy. Ed finally makes it appear. She's like, I bet it's the attack of the horrible aliens. If it's not, if you can't figure out what it is, I bet Ed knows. Um, it's really very difficult. This is the first episode that I really found myself bonding a lot with, with Ed. Like I liked her in the first couple that she showed up in, but this is the first episode where I started kind of de- started getting her. I think, and just mm-hmm. uh, her attitude attitude is her her the way that she just constantly just says whatever is in her mind is, is really charming and really nice yeah. it's and she's you know obviously very eccentric um, but it's very hard to relay what that sounds like to somebody who hasn't seen the episodes i think like I, i'm not going to do an impersonation do you know what i'm saying
1: right i think you should try but no um, no i don't she's I, just I, like nobody a, wants a, that a jubilant wacky little kid um, who also happens to be like super super intelligent yeah <laughs>
0: And she's all over the place. Um, Spike rejects this attack of the horrible aliens and says, no, what if it's the some weird mutated space rat? And Faye is like, that's no better than the weird aliens. Like, what are you guys talking right. about? None of this exists. Uh, so from here, we go to Faye in the bathtub, kind of resting and relaxing taking t- t- reading a book i'm glad there's still books in space by the way that's really nice <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of a lot of sci-fi stuff it's like oh we can't get books anymore because they're trees and they produce oxygen and they just yeah that's bad so i'm glad that we have real books they're
1: space books <laughs> they're space um books. and right before this we got another shot of the scurrying yes, so like the, sorry, yeah, the first person mm-hmm. whatever so when we see her in the bathtub with her foot dangling over the edge it's just already letting you know like what it's going to happen it's building the tension and it's like this episode isn't scary but it really Works well with the horror. It just does everything the way that you want it to be done.
0: Yeah, I think if anybody, I think if you watch this, just kind of, as, especially as a kid, like I think if you were a younger person that hadn't been exposed to a lot of horror movies, this would actually be f- very, fairly scary for you. Like, or at least it would ratchet up that tension a little bit. Definitely. A- as it is, like having watched a bunch of horror movies in my life, I was just looking at this and going, "This is an extremely well executed horror movie, and I like it mm-hmm. because it's it is it's 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 every slasher film. It's every you know Alien, you know the the tension of being trapped in space and not not having anything to do with your time or you know and being broke at the same time like it's all of these ideas kind of wrapped up and it, and it works. Really um, good. We see this thing this 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 creature this this like slime blob fall from the vent and and Faye hears it but doesn't see it so just kind of ignores it. And then we switch over to Spike and Ed and Spike is rigging out Ed and himself with these like infrared goggles so that they can see yeah. heat so they can try to track this creature down.
1: Uh, and while they're they're starting to test it out Ed and Ayn run off um, Ed and just thinks this is the funniest goddamn thing in the yeah, world like shes around like thermal and- vision <laughs>
0: um it's just she just she's just cackling the entire time and running off the She's literally like running like
1: (laughs) doing like airplane runs with her arms out um but while she's running off and and being a pain in uh spike's side he happens to actually see something weird on the ground kind of like scurrying after her but he's not able to get a good enough look at it so he doesn't Really know what to make of it, or if it was just you know a weird little heat anomaly. He doesn't. He doesn't quite know what it was. Um, and then that's when Faye shows up. She walks into the room and she is really worried about having being bitten. And she's lamenting, "Poor me, my beautiful young life. Like, all it's. Why did it have to happen to me?" And then Spike sees the uh, the bite on her leg as she collapses.
0: So that's two down out of our group of five, counting into counting nine. Um we go to our third lesson here uh which I find absolutely hilarious which goes yep. to goes to a little girl and Ed just says <laughs> yes. lesson lesson if you see a stranger follow him <laughs>
1: Because she just spotted whatever weird little thing was scurrying around, yeah.
0: So. And it's just one of these like stream of consciousness, just jamming on the typewriter, saying yeah. anything that comes into your head, kind of kind yeah. of situations. And it's just very charming for on this episode for some reason.
1: Ed just has a very beautiful mind, and it works really well in this situation because there is like a sense of dread sort of growing over, you know, the, the crew, but more like it's the, the sense of dread is growing over Spike because he's seeing what's happening to everybody else, and he's also actively working to figure out what's going on, and he can't figure that out. And meanwhile, Ed is just like, If you see a stranger, follow him! <laughs> Like Ed, no, your child. Don't do that.
0: I think one of the things that's that's kind of exciting about this for me too is that Ed doesn't seem scared of any of this throughout no. this, and that's that's one of the thing with things that they do that kind of flips the the, the stereotypical horror movie uh, script a little bit. That this young girl is, is just is just kind of in a very blase fashion exploring this spaceship for some weird creature that's eating her her crew, but she doesn't really care that much. Like she opens up the the bathroom door and is like hello mr alien are you there (laughs) like it's all that kind of stuff which is very funny to me um but spike is 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 actually actively looking for them because they just kind of ran off and Mm -hmm. uh as as ed is doing her thing spike's looking for them ein runs off this time and unfortunately gets attacked by this little creature thing and spike finds him on his side with the big purple thing coming out of his stomach
1: yeah, and Chris, I was very um, sad
0: about this. I did not like this at all. It's
1: yeah. You hear you hear I whine. like every everybody. Just so you know, the dog is fine. Um, the, the dog is okay. Everybody. But yeah, it's it's very sad when when you hear the dog cry out. Uh, and there, throughout this, while while Spike is like looking for Ayn and looking for Ed, there are so many great creeping shots where like you get to see Spike like walking down the hallway, but it's like looks like somebody looking through the vent at him, um, or it's from shot from above, or we're not able to see something that the character sees. Like, they keep doing these really, really great shots. And it seems like they had a lot of fun uh, making this episode. Uh, but yeah, he, he finds he finds Ayn, who's been bit. He chides the dog for not having animal instincts, which is funny. Because you can tell that he feels bad, but, like, he still has to be kind of a dick.
0: When he says, like, where's your animal instincts, buddy, he's kind of, he's not, like, hitting the dog, but he's definitely, like, yeah. firmly <laughs> patting Ayn on the face a little bit, as if to say, like, Avon, why are you the way that you are... (laughs) <laughs> like it's one of those things it's very funny uh and throughout this like it's flipping back and forth between the the normal view of this this vent this tunnel that they're in and also spike's first person view with the the thermal vision and and we mm-hmm. we haven't set it on this episode you art you set it on this episode yet but the art is amazing uh oh, yeah. all of the animation and stuff is just so well done ayn in this episode specifically like does so much there's so much animation with ayn that it's just it just you just love this dog so much
1: yeah it's there's, there's a few episodes coming up, too, where you just love Ayn more and more. Oh, good. Um, good. I'm
0: glad to hear that. Uh, Spike sees this thing coming towards him, so he picks up Ayn and runs and basically falls down the the ladder that was into this thing. Uh, yeah. And then we get a brief clip of – or we, we go back to the what I'm assuming is the bridge or their crew quarters or, or whatever um, – <laughs> The, the the common space, if you will, and it's the living room. Yeah, sure, the living room. I don't know what you call it on a space station. I have never heard of like Captain Picard you know, going to the living room. Like that doesn't sound right. It's,
1: it's <laughs> interesting that we get a sense of uh space in the Bebop for once. Like we've never we haven't seen that much of the Bebop before. We've mostly seen this common area. Yes. And We get to see a lot of different parts, hallways, storage areas, um, the cockpit, but we don't have any sense of how they connect to each other. And normally, I would say, like, it doesn't feel like this is a real place. Like, this is just random shots of random locations. But for some reason, in this episode, it feels like it makes sense. Like, Spike is going from place to place, but because of that sense of horror, nothing feels the same like it doesn't feel like home anymore because you're creeping through these hallways while something watches you it sets a uh, uh, an interesting tone of like of creepy crawly totally agreed and the view that we have of
0: Jet, Faye, and Ayn all laid out with bandages on. And just according to asleep. size, which yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah, biggest to littlest, or I guess littlest to biggest from left to right, is is one of these things of like you watch you watch these movies and you start seeing people die or get you know get knocked out or whatever and they start putting them in safe places where you can. And it's, it's all left to one person. Uh, Ed has still disappeared. We don't know where Ed is. And uh, this this takes us to the, like the last a few minutes or the last few scenes of the, uh, of the session. And, uh, we get the lesson for splash, but we don't actually hear the lesson to the end of the episode, which I think is really great. Um, we see Spike kind of going through and and doing some things. And this is another horror movie trope that Spike I like.
1: locks and loads.
0: Yeah. He, number one, he, he, he puts the ship in autopilot and we get this this computer voice yeah. telling us that the autopilot cannot be changed once it's been confirmed. So he's doing something with the ship to, to basically protect himself. He
1: sets it so that it will be on autopilot and then it will automatically land on Mars. So I guess he probably gets the clearance, gets everything set up so that if something happens to them, uh, or if something happens to him and he's not able to like land the ship they will at least die or (laughs) they will at least land and then somebody can come in and and see what's going on potentially
0: save them and then and then he locks and he loads like he's fucking rambo or like he is i mean or like he's
1: got his fucking flamethrower he's ready
0: i mean he has all kinds of weaponry at one point i think he picks up a sword like a little rapier which is
1: great (laughs) yeah it's the thing he was using for his like kebab or (laughs) whatever That's really funny Um, to me. It's fantastic. And he, he sits out like on the hunt. He's scanning the bebop room by room. Still can't find Ed, but he finds the device, the thermal device that she was holding. So he's like, oh shit. Uh, things are looking uh, a little bit dire
0: some sludge kind of drops from one of the vents and as it hits he thinks it's the creature so he turns around and kind of jumps and falls but it's not and he's like don't do that he yeah, like yells there's, at the even a,
1: there's even a fake scare yeah like, it's, it's great. so good
0: uh, but of course right after this the, the real kind of creature comes in yeah he
1: he gets uh scared by like the dripping slime or whatever and then we see behind him the real creature drops down behind him which is we i don't know if we've identified this thing it's like a little blob it's just this little creeping blob
0: yeah when we when we say uh yeah definitely when we say when we say creature this is not a creature <laughs> like this is no. this is doesn't even have like a, this is not even like a dragon quest slime kind of look no. right like it's just a it's just a pile of garbage essentially It looks like dough undercooked yeah dough. it looks like under it looks like when you make uh, chocolate chip cookie dough but you only cook it about halfway so you get to that good like crusty ball of raw cookie dough <laughs> <just> so delicious <laughs> i don't know if you've ever done that as a kid oh, i yeah. have and it's delicious um so he kind of goes back and forth and has a fight with this thing because it's actively trying to attack him. Eventually, he he shoots it once and it kind of stays against the wall, and then he roasts the crap out of it until it's black <laughs> in that movie with his <laughs> flamethrower. He or. Throws
1: grenades at it at some point, like he's going all in.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it is. It is a lot. Uh, I think at one point he uh, there's this scene where he after he throws the grenades, like he jumps out because they're gas grenades and tries to light his cigarette, and then as he tries to light it with his flamethrower he burns all of his cigarette and he's like well god yeah. damn it and then he goes back yeah. in to get his lighter that he lost like what the spike what, what are you doing he's <laughs> trying to smoke <laughs> just wait just wait it'll come you can smoke later uh, after you save um, your entire ship and crew you can smoke i promise you so once, so he, once he hits it with the, you know, the flamethrower he, re, he remembers like oh this this looks like that thing <laughs> that i that i was cooking i should have kept that in the Bridge, and this is where he re- has this this grand memory.
1: <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like real. It's like this is the type of flashback or whatever you would get at the end of a horror movie, where like the big secret is revealed, um, where Harry pieces together all the things that have been happening, and now you know what the monster in the Chamber of Secrets is. But it's just Spike remembering. <laughs> that he left some food in the fridge for way too long
0: (laughs) a ganymede rock lobster that he hid from the rest of the crew so he wouldn't have to share it that's this is the this is the origin of the alien monster on on the cowboy bebop um this this is hilarious. So he shuts off the gravity with the idea of kicking this fridge to space. Is this, wait, does he go and open it first? Yeah, he goes to check it out first, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, and just the horror dawning on him as he slowly opens the door to this refrigerator that was in the storage compartment that was just basically totally forgotten about. Something was pushed in front of it, and they never thought about it again. And it's been over a year now, and he opens up the refrigerator slowly, and we just see, like, an entire entire ecosystem of, like, fungus has, has developed in there. That's clear Really, where this thing was born yeah. from? You guys ever finished Bloodborne? Just, just a quick question, yeah. <laughs> just so you can yeah, get a visual of this. Uh, Chris, the
0: the the animation here is so good. The, the just the way that everything is drawn is so. We realized that I did not want to look at this as he was opening the fridge. Oh yeah, like, I had that. You gut. don't
1: want him to open it up all the way because you don't want to see what it is, and he doesn't want to see what it is either. So he closes the door immediately. N-
0: nobody wants to see it here. Like just close it and then run. Uh, so he he kills the gravity and starts kicking it towards an airlock where he's going to kick it out Uh, as, as he does we go back to and we see a scene where not a scene but we get an image of where that little creature pile of garbage was and now it's gone and sure enough as he's positioning this refrigerator to kick it out of the airlock, then this creature... just cre- launched this
1: fucking refrigerator out into space.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could land somewhere and it hurt somebody else, but nope, we just got to get this shit out of here. Just get this shit out of here. The creature, uh, this little creature blob thing, was makes its way onto here, and as it's turning around, as it's slowly rotating in zero G, it l- lashes out and bites Spike. So now Spike yeah. has been bitten on the wrist this time. Uh, but that doesn't change his plan. He decides to uh, open up the airlock, kick it out of the airlock. Uh, but as it's going out, he loses his grip because of the bite. And uh, so he starts falling towards the airlock, fa- starts falling towards open space. Luckily, the airlock closes in times and he just kind of bangs his head against the thing. And that is that.
1: That is that. I love the way I don't think we mentioned it when he shoots this thing, the way that it like freezes yes. for a second, mm-hmm. as if it's been shocked and it like hangs still for a second and then starts scurrying again it's such a cool looking effect it is um but yeah he's able to he's able to close those doors and not fall out into space before passing out and then that's when we get lesson four Uh, he says uh what was the real lesson don't leave things in the fridge and then we have this. That's what Spike takes. That's, away. That's
0: what Spike takes away from all of this. Then we have this really beautiful scene, which um, has to be a, a nod to 2001, where uh, the classical music "Waltz and the Flowers" starts playing. This refrig-
1: <laughs> refrigerator starts
0: spinning around slowly. The door is open, and instead of spewing out this weird, horrible shit, it turns into kind of starlight almost, which is really it's which this is like a really rainbow nice of
1: starlight as it twirls away into space. It's so pretty and so <laughs> and gorgeous. We intercut with that is just all of these quick shots. Of the crew just floating, lifeless in the the bebop, with like surrounded by like, Faye has like makeup around her and, and just crap floating all around them. Um, and it's this like, just beautiful, hilarious scene of them floating. Uh, we even see like Ed; she had been bitten in uh, off camera in, in an event somewhere. And it's just them all spitting and this music playing. It is such a great scene. So
0: and we do finally find out where Ed is. Ed just decided to take a nap in Zero G, which would totally be my jam. I've always wanted to do that, so I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh yeah,
1: is Ed not even bit? Is she just napping? She's just napping. Yeah,
0: she's not she's she never <laughs> got right. bit because right. she was she was napping, dreaming that she was eating, and as she kinda wakes up from her nap, she sees the creature, which is you know, it escaped from spike and didn't go out into space, and she just grabs it and eats it. It was like, mmm, pudding and it goes back yeah. to sleep. <laughs> That's fucking. And the whole time she Mar- just eats <laughs> this thing. The whole time the classical music is played, man. I can't. I cannot get over this. This is fucking crazy, and
1: I like love that, it. That's how this is resolved. This Ed is the ending. Yeah, it. this is
0: it. Like I don't like. Presumably, they land on Mars, and like they get Ed gets them all medical help or whatever. Who knows? I don't. I don't know how this ends, but it does not matter because this is perfect. This is so great.
1: And even like the preview for the next episode is just Ed. Doing the voiceover, being like, That's the end, that's the end of the show. Everybody died, it's over. No more, no more cowboy bebop. It was a short show, but it was a good one. Uh, and that's it. Sad ending for everybody. Uh, and say, then you hear time, like Spike come in. Now it's time for Cowboy yeah, th- Edward or something. <laughs> yeah, Cowgirl Ed and like Ed, and yeah. the dog or whatever, yeah. Um and then Spike comes in and he's like, No, wait, there's <laughs> the show's not over, there's more, please. Um but the title card that we get on this one at the end is just the end. <laughs>
0: that's so funny because yeah. it's just the end like that's that's the funny thing to me it's just literally the end uh, it doesn't oh, say see you space cowboys, which is the end <laughs> what, a, what a great episode this is to be such a, a homage I don't I always I always feel paranoid that I'm saying that that word wrong. By the way, homage. I bought it. Homage? I bought what you said to be to I bought be what you were selling to be such a homage to like old horror movies to be to old sci-fi movies to these kind of things that you know and love to to kind of follow the standard script of a horror movie so well and to get all of the the tone and the feelings so right and, and to also change it just a little bit like to flip it with Ed and to flip it at the end uh, just a little bit so that it's it's not some scary creature it's just something that came out of your fridge. It's so delightful. Chris. I, I was not expecting this episode at all. I was not expecting the the, the title to be a, uh, a, a an Aerosmith reference, which I find very strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I don't
0: know. And uh, just, a, just a quick side note, a friend of the show, uh, Mai, told me that uh, back in the day there was an A&B where somebody put together this and a, um, a Weird Al song, which was called Living in the Fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would very much like to see if anybody can find that on YouTube. Let us let us know. So I just wanted to mention yeah. that to you because I thought you'd get a kick out of it.
1: It's funny how you were saying like you know you were seeing um, Cowboy Bebop AMVs. People were sending you different like fan art or, or whatever it was for Cowboy Bebop. And I I don't even think I replied to you when when you texted me that. But I just was thinking like I remember people sending me that stuff on MySpace in like wow. 2004. Nice. It like immediately took me back because I specifically remember a Cowboy Bebop AMV to the song Clocks by Coldplay. Oh my god. (laughs) Weirdly. Um, it's a great video but it's like I, I don't even think I really knew who Coldplay was it was just this video and I was like oh wow that show looks really cool I'd never seen Bebop back then but uh, it just took me back thinking about that
0: I can't handle that Chris that's 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 too much for me I can't I cannot handle Coldplay Cowboy Bebop AMVs I need to stop this it was this very serious it was a
1: very serious AMV what are your final um, thoughts on
0: this episode or this session I
1: love this episode it's it's a great horror movie it can, condensed into a 20 minute anime uh and I, I love the lessons, the, the little peek into everybody's philosophy, and then you get Spike being like, don't leave shit in the fridge, um, which if we, we could probably unpack that. It's either one, Spike is so living in the moment that he just believes that, that is an imperative thing to talk about, or two, you can't just forget about things and, and try to stuff them away somewhere. you got to take them out and deal with them. Otherwise, they're going to come back and they're going to bite you in the ass. <laughs> hint, 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 hint. <laughs>
0: The next session we're going to cover is jupiter jazz part one written by kiko nobumuto Faye disappears with all the money on the bebop ed tries to find her and discovers a quote code name julia on jupiter's moon callisto which makes spike believe that it's his julia um, just, a, just a quick programming note. We, we've been doing these two by two. We noticed that uh, this was a part one and a part two. We kind of thought briefly about doing these together and then noticed that the, the air dates were reasonably similar. I don't know if this were originally aired um, two by two and this just kind of happened to be a way that fell in America, in the U.S. or if this was an intentional kind of um, cliffhanger thing because this episode does end in a cliffhanger. Uh, but we decided just to keep with our normal schedule so we're going to be covering part two on the next episode, yeah. which for you guys I don't think it will even matter because you're just going to queue it up in your in your podcast <laughs> (laughs) your feet (laughs) so i don't know why we're going through all of this but wanted to mention it just in case uh yeah for sure chris do we have any preambles
1: before we get into this episode or do you want to just jump into the the events why don't we just get into it uh so this is jupiter jazz part one we open with a shot of this red canyon um, it immediately reminded me of Cosmo Canyon from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but we see two, I or, guess, or like, just native... just desert. Like, just a <laughs> real goddamn desert. desert. It, 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 looks, it just looks like Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I've never been to a real-life desert, but I have played a lot of video games. Um, <laughs> we see two, like, Native American-type characters. Uh, I don't know how else to describe them. Um, they're in this great big red canyon, and they're watching the sky, and they have this conversation. Um, this guy is credited as Laughing Bull and then his son that's all um but he says uh, or, the, or the boy says a star just fell from, from the sky and the father says that is not an ordinary star my son that is that star is a tear of a warrior um what warrior is it the son asks and the father says a lost soul who has finished his battle somewhere on this planet a pitiful soul who could not find his way to the lofty realm where the great spirit awaits us all uh i bring this up now because spoilers it will come back again
0: yeah, I figured, and it's not in this episode. In this, in this episode, that'll come back because I was still kind of curious until like you were just repeating it. Now, um, who this this was referring to, and I finally just figured it out because I had a little peek in the uh, part two of this. So <laughs> um. So, after this, we go back up to uh, space, where we
1: see... Yeah, like, the camera pans from, like, where they're sitting, looking up at the stars, like, into the stars, into this syndicate ship. Now, the syndicate, this is when episode five, uh, where they introduce these, like, sort of rival gangs, um, these, like, mafia-like groups, I guess, like these syndicates, almost, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That, that Spike was once a part of. Uh, it's one of their ships... And immediately we see vicious. They ain't hiding Big Daddy V on this one. To quote Ian, so this isn't <laughs> Big Daddy V. Ian, stop. Um, this, this, is this not
0: Vicious's ship then? Because I was thinking that like the red with the giant like yellow regalia. on So top it of, definitely well, looks side. like it
1: would be his, but mm. he I think is talking to his boss.
0: Okay. So, because I was really confused, because we hadn't seen the syndicate in, in a little while, and and the setup here is basically vicious saying that he's going to go do. Um and this is not written like this at all. Like he's basically saying, like, "Hey, I'm gonna go do a drug deal on Callisto," and the syndicate bosses, which are all these like kind of old men looking dudes, are are, are kind of debating this because they've never done drug deals. It was kind of an off limits planet for, for or off limits moon for some, some reason. Yeah,
1: and the thing is, like, so so Vicious is ready to go and do this, but the reason he's actually here is that they got this deal sort of set up, and Vicious was personally requested to go in and do this deal by the person setting it up because
0: ah, see i missed this i missed this
1: somehow. they don't yeah there was a lot of like a lot of little chit chat going on here you're kind of just distracted by this dude with silver hair and a fucking vulture on his shoulder i'll be honest um, i could
0: not stop looking <laughs> at this dude to save my life like i know I, I know Faye is supposed to be the eye candy in this show but uh somebody's
1: heart is throbbing for, for vicious and that ain't all you know what i'm saying big, big daddy big daddy, big daddy v um, so the whoever is setting up this deal on Earth for this lunar Bloody Eye, I think it's a different version of Bloody Eye that we saw in episode one, um, but that's, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. This, this deal is being set up. Vicious was personally requested because the, the person requesting this thing served in the war on Titan with Vicious. So they're all like old war buddies. Uh, but the higher ups are sort of like, we don't necessarily want you going in. Alone doing this, like we don't, we don't know what the whole story is here. uh I think just gathering from from the last time we saw Vicious, he he goes in guns blazing or or a sword shining. Is that the the sure equivalent of yeah. swords? Yeah, um, he, he he definitely causes a lot of destruction. He he goes in bloody and he deals with things in a very violent way. So I could see why the the higher ups might want to be like, Whoa, let's let's. You know, use some caution here, but um, they assign this dude, lynn who's a slightly younger uh, member of the syndicate. Very normal-looking dude, just wears a suit.
0: Does um, not does not have a bird that follows him around or a katana. Doesn't have
1: a fucking vulture on his shoulder. <laughs> um, have, and it, I know that this thing is not a vulture, but it's funny to call it that. It, it is uh, very
0: funny to think of it as just a straight-up vulture. Um,
1: <laughs> eating shit out of the trash. Um, they
0: also tell him that he's going to need like some cold weather gear, basically, because it's so cold on. Oh so. man, I wrote
1: down this quote. You better believe that I wrote down this quote. So, so the leader, I can see, because I, I took down the quote from the Wikipedia, mm. uh, the leader is called Wen Lon. Okay. Um, and, but he says, Callisto's a frigid planet, Vicious. You'll need special clothing for the Arctic conditions. <laughs> Vicious says, cold climates do not concern me. And they reply with true, your heart is colder than any planet, colder than the eye of a snake about to strike. Um, which is wait, it's wait. really affecting when you hear it in the show, but it's funny when I read it.
0: And, but they also remind him that snakes cannot eat a dragon, which I think is a really good, yeah. like, it's going to be my new sign off when I, like, this just remember work a emails. snake
1: cannot eat a dragon. <laughs>
0: Thank you for reading yes. this email about water meters. Uh, remember, <laughs> remember, a snake cannot eat a dragon. Jeremy Greer, such and such, such a snake. Such. Jeremy, the
1: dragon Greer.
0: <laughs> yeah this is it actually um i mean we're laughing about it now because out of context this stuff sounds kind of goofy but mm-hmm. it, w- within the context of the show it's 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 actually really works like it's stylish it feels very cool like i'm into yeah. i'm into this it's conversation
1: like, the the syndicate leaders look like old style um i guess like chinese syndicate leaders i think that's supposed to be based in in like a you know chinese type of setting mm-hmm. um And everybody else is wearing suits, looking like modern-day, like, mafia guys. And then you have this dude in a long black coat with long silver hair and and a fucking katana and a vulture on his shoulder. So, it's like, he's such a striking person. And he strikes such an image in in this scene, even, where it's, you know, it's dark, everything's heavily shaded. uh, But it looks very serious. And then you just have this fucking anime guy standing there. uh, And he cuts quite the figure.
0: He's, it's, I mean, he's, he's... He's not going to be unnoticed in the club. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to walk in the club. Oh, and sure. He's going to be like, "What up? I've got a big. call eyes on me. I've got a know? big. <laughs>
1: Never mind. I was going to go anyway. Walk up in the club, like, "What up? I got a big vulture. I
0: was kind of going. I was trying to figure out a like a call kind of thing to do that, but I was walk quirk. up in the club, like,
1: "What up? I got a big heart. Yeah, um, I got a cold so- heart. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, Lin, is, is sort of tagging along. Uh, he, Vicious tells Lin that he does not need Lin to come along. Yes, um, but he's like, "No, I'm, I'm coming with you. Like I was assigned to do it. I'm doing it." Um, and we sort of see that he's he's actually there to protect Vicious. He's like a bodyguard kind of. Um, but Vicious tells him that if if Lin wants to survive, then he may have to betray Vicious. At, at some point um we don't really know what that means but basically yeah. like vicious might go against orders he might he might do some wacky shit so if lynn wants this job to be done he might have to go against what vicious says also um, i still
0: don't know what this means <laughs> just, i don't yeah we don't know in this, in, in this uh, first in this part one we, we do not hear just that. some
1: fucking cool guy shit that vicious wants to say because yeah. uh, lynn he's talking about honor and duty and how he's going to protect vicious we're getting an idea of this guy yeah he's a member of a syndicate but he doesn't seem like an altogether bad guy um and you could almost see like this is the type of guy that maybe spike was when he was part of the syndicate um but yeah back on the bebop it's so humid that that spike can't sleep and boy do i relate to that Yes. Welcome, to um, 20, welcome to
0: 2018 in the United States, yeah. Spike.
1: <laughs> apparently, Faye has just recently run off and she's left them a note saying not to look for her. Um, she sabotaged the the ship, like taking out all the antifreeze. And uh, at first, Spike is like, Great, she's Finally. gone. We don't have I'm to so deal with her anymore. This. this is what we'll, I was, we'll was looking for. The ship. And then Jed is like, uh, She emptied the safe. And Spike is immediately like, Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> so they, they grab Ed and have Ed track down where she might have gone on her ship. Uh, Ed is tracking the signal, trying to find um, Faye's ship, uh, and catches something, a signal, like a radio frequency or whatever it is, I don't know, but it's a signal, and it's codenamed Julia. And the second that she says the name Julia, we see Spike flashes images of this woman this blonde woman that we saw in the flashbacks of season or episode five um it's the same blonde woman from his memory um she flashes across his eyes obviously this is the woman named julia i think that that's pretty clear uh and he like freaks out he he runs over to ed and they immediately like he's um rushing her to to track this signal uh which is coming from callisto the planet or the moon whatever it is and then he immediately is just like ready to head out I love um
0: so so several things here uh like this this entire during this entire scene just to break it down a little bit when ed is doing her like computer hacking thing when spike wakes up it's just again going into that virtual world i forget what we called it but like the virtual net or or whatever it's she's got the goggles on they keep changing colors depending on what's happening um I, and I guess because she took out the antifreeze, Jet has stuff taken apart and is trying to to work on it. And like various pieces of machinery that look dope as hell are just floating. <laughs> like it like makes yeah. me feel like I could take those apart and put them into and make a Gundam out of them. Right? It's like it's really, it just really looks good. really cool. Yeah. Everything and, looks so cool. Yeah, and and Spike runs off to to go chase this, and and Jet runs after him and says, "No, no, we, you know, I don't know what you're doing. We need to go find Faye." And he's like, yeah, he, care he's about-
1: like, there's a lot of women named Julia. Like, yeah. maybe what are you talking about? The same <laughs> one."
0: Uh, and, and and you know, Spike says basically, "Well, you know, you, you go chase after her, but you know, I'm I'm more concerned about mine." He's like, "We, well, she's got all of our money, dude. Like, what are you doing?" Yeah,
1: and uh, he says, "I'm going after my woman. You can go look for the other one." Yeah, and he just refers to as the other one, and he like his attitude towards Faye immediately just shifts. Like, he does not care right now.
0: Yeah, um, and all because, like, somebody named Julia showed up in the frame. Like, how many, like, I'm sure that's, there's got to be a million Julias in space. Yeah, not even somebody, just the name of a signal. Yeah, like, it's not like Gertrude. It hasn't gone out of style. <laughs> <laughs> but just how fast he jumps at this is, is
1: clearly quite telling.
0: And this pisses Jet off to the point where he says, you know what? If that's the way you're going to do it, fine. But if you leave, you don't have a spot here anymore. You know, I ain't coming yeah. back.
1: But the thing is, is, like, Jet is so clearly bluffing. Like, he turns his clearly. back and crosses his arms like he's an angry little kid. that go, fine. If you go and do that, then, you know, you're not welcome back here. Uh, and Spike is just like, your call, buddy. And he's like, what? No, I, I, wait, Spike. <laughs> no, what, what, what
0: is Jet going to do next? Hold his breath until Spike comes back? I mean, what? Yeah. Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,. But yeah, he, he sort of storms out because I don't think he was expecting Spike to uh, to do that. Uh, and he just he yells, We've, you know, they've been together for three years and I don't understand you right up until the very end. And we get a shot of Spike sitting in his cockpit saying, I don't understand either. Uh, and then he takes off.
0: During this, we also learned that they've been together for about three years, which I, I yeah, don't I yeah. don't know if it was necessarily new information, but it felt new to me at the time. Yeah, like, it's, I, I think that's new. Yeah. So I, because it, I've I've been kind of curious, like if this was a, a long term deal. Like I knew Jet hadn't been gone from uh, what's her name for, for too long. Like I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. that would be more than like ten years or so. So I was kind of curious how long they've been running together. So that's three years. Uh, Spike leaves and as he's landed in Callisto we're treated to some of the some of the like my favorite Bebop shit in the world, which is cool music playing over, you know, these landscape shots of what probably had to be these brilliant colonies on these planets and these moons that are just now just all just shit <laughs> like we see like broken yeah. cars everywhere these huge skyscrapers that are almost hollowed out and, and hollowed out in some cases um, all the while this like saxophone and piano jazz starts playing I which I think
1: this song oh, if i'm not mistaken is called good night julia and, and- if that is, it's either that or Space Lion because they both have similar sex ones. I think Goodnight Julia is probably my favorite song. Like the full version of that is my favorite song in the show, um, which is hard to choose from because there's a lot of really good songs.
0: Space Lion um, is the one that's credited in the episode. So
1: yeah, um, it, I think they're both in it tbh Mm -hmm. but uh i'm not totally sure
0: get get in a fight with the wiki about it okay i'm just telling (laughs) you no because i I
1: saw the same (laughs) thing that's why i was like confused and i listened to both last night and i was like it sounds like it could be space line but it's more i don't it doesn't matter um both are really really great songs so uh either way we're seeing we're hearing this this sad song sad song on saxophone and we're seeing this like desolated frozen city you know people are like shuffling around they're freezing going in and out of bars and we still somehow get these the the cawing of these crows which adds this more like forlorn sort of haunted like atmosphere to this city even though it is this frozen waste almost these the the presence of these crows really like set the tone uh and then we see we're listening to the song, and then it goes into this bar, and we see Faye sitting there, um, and she's listening to the song that we're listening to, and it's it's somebody's in the bar playing it on saxophone. She's smoking a cigarette, she's drinking, and she's looking utterly dejected and downtrodden. She doesn't look like she just made off with, with the big bucks and escaped the bebop. She looks like she's super depressed.
0: Absolutely. Um, she, she looks really sad. The... This, this whole bar scene, like this is when I was like 21, 22, and I was, um, just list, Just started listening to jazz with my friends and we were being real pretentious about it like we were going oh, yeah. through and digging up like digging crates for records and going on wikipedia to try to find the most obscure shit to impress each other with this is all i wanted in my life like mm-hmm. we, we had something mm-hmm. close to this locally on wednesday nights the jazz nurse in baton rouge would come in and play um i, I don't know what th- she called herself the jazz nurse that wasn't like a nickname like she was a nurse full-time and then she played jazz in the evening so that's yeah, good for her. Um, like, and it was close to this, but this is like that true, like Chicago kind of style. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I just this this is such a, such a vibe for me. This is such a mood, mm-hmm. as the kids mm-hmm. say nowadays. This is big yeah. mood.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really, really is. It's such an affecting scene, and even the way that uh, Faye is represented in this episode. They do some stuff, like, it feels like the animation or, like, the shading, even on, like, her legs, like, everything is really drawn out in this very evocative way, but it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel sexual. It feels like she's incredibly vulnerable. Um, And it feels like that's on purpose, because Faye who is feeling very sad right now, and we don't fully know why yet, is incredibly vulnerable in, in an emotional way that we've never seen her before. Um, but before we get much further with Faye, now we see Spike. And Spike is walking these city streets that we've just seen. He's wearing a gigantic puffy pink coat. It's I love incredible. This. It's so
0: great. Um, what a what a rock star this dude is for this big parka that he's wearing. It's so great.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he is wandering around uh, asking about Julia. And he's at... He, Specifically, he's talking to this guy who's smashing things with a mallet in a uh, like junkyard or something. And
0: he's not even specifically asking about Julia at first. He's just asking about women because one of the important things about this moon is that there are no women on it. Um, and you know, this guy says like, "Oh, I don't know anything about women. You know, I'm I'm really bad at them. I tried to hook up with a spiny armadillo once." And I'm like, "Excuse yeah. me, you tried to do yeah. what?" Um, autumn and i were cooking yesterday by the way and uh just we looked out the window and there was this the most enormous armadillo i've ever seen just like rooting up my yard and i'm like i'm gonna have to kill that armadillo because it's fucking up my yard damn so i gotta go figure out how to kill an armadillo anyway Uh, Just yell at it until it goes away. Yeah, that's not, that's not, wildlife does not care, I promise you. Like, I banged on a window, and it was, like, looked up, and, like, flipped me whatever the armadillo equivalent of the bird is, and just kept reading in my yard. Damn. (laughs) Um, But he eventually asked for Julia, and he's like, oh, yeah, I know a Julia. She hangs out in front of Tony's place. And uh, he goes over to Julia, who is a cross-dressing male sex worker. Like, it's, like, very clearly drawn, and they very clearly identify her and her friends identify themselves as such. Uh, It's not Julia, it's Julia. Julius, who says, Oh, I know there were, you know, Grin was hanging out with the woman. Um, And so after they tried to to hit up Spike, who says that they're not his type, uh, he goes to try to find Grin.
1: Mm hmm um and i i think in my notes i confused myself because i was like oh we already met grin but i was like oh no wait i just know who Gren is <laughs> i guess we yeah, don't know
0: we, yet we don't know yet it's pretty obvious that it's the saxophone player but yeah because <laughs> he's
1: he's referred to Gren, who plays saxophone at the blue crow which is yeah. the part that Faye was just at uh and then we cut back to Faye, who sneezes three times in a row and and some suave pretty boy as i wrote it in my notes mm-hmm. says take care uh and he says well if you don't if you don't say take care after somebody sneezes they could turn into a fairy and Faye like puts on her moves and is like you know i'm already a fairy or who's to say i'm not already one um and then he just gives her drunk ass his coat um his any and he also in this moment reveals he's not interested in women but everybody else around her seems like they are and we sort of see these like lecherous dudes staring at her from the corner I, uh, I I
0: even wrote this down in my notes And I had to go back and correct it uh, Even though nobody reads these notes but me uh, I really thought he said If you don't tell somebody to take care after they sneeze They could turn into a ferret and I thought that was—I thought
1: that's what he said the first time too. But then Faye clearly, clearly says clearly says
0: fairy, and then I just it just but I was like, okay, that's a weird thing. But like, it's cold there. Like maybe this is like you grow fur. I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't know what these local traditions are. Maybe you just turn into a ferret. <laughs> I just rolled uh, with it instantly because I, I was also so thought caught that's up. what he said. That's yeah. so great that you thought the same thing, man. I love that. It's uh yeah, this is you know this th- this dude is very charming, uh, but she just does not care. Basically, uh, she just she's just like, well, after she sees all these lecherous dudes kind of looking at her, leering at her. Her, she just says, "Well, I guess I'll be a very popular girl."
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, then we go into Spike, who is like wandering through these alleys and uh, encounters someone and is asking for grin. And uh, this this stirs up some trouble. Some some gangs get together, or this gang of guys get together, kind of follow him into a to a, yeah. a cul de sac. Where he's waiting for them. He was kind of expecting this to happen. And uh, they say, Hey, you're vicious, and where's my money? I want to see the money. And yeah. calling Spike vicious is not the thing to do if you want to keep your teeth his teeth in shit. your mouth. He yeah. loses his absolute shit. Yeah. And starts beating the hell out of him.
1: Yeah. This, all these armed dudes who have like uh, masks on, these big puffy snow coats, uh, and like metal bars. And he, Spike just takes them all down um, with his bare hands. And this is. Probably angrier than we've seen him in a long time. He he definitely loses his shit when he fought Vicious, but I think being called Vicious almost like sets him off in a different way. Um, so he he beats all these dudes up and and most of them scurry off. But the the leader guy, Spike, grabs him and wants to know what the hell is going on here. Uh, this guy says that he heard about the the deal for the lunar red eye between Grin and Vicious and wanted to to steal the money because he assumed oh if you're looking for Grin you must be the person meeting for this deal. You must be vicious. You must have the money
0: and Spike just like punches this dude out at the end of it and I, I just just to I mean we, we go into this a lot the fight scene that occurred while Spike takes down like 20 dudes and then gets this guy in a headlock the head dude in a headlock is so fucking gorgeous I rewound it like I want I, like I, I made notes and then I like looked up and was like nope starting from the beginning of this fight so I can see everything again like <laughs> yeah. it takes me a long time to watch these episodes now because I'm constantly rewinding and it's mm-hmm. a good way to watch them because you start picking up on stuff that you missed it's just like all of this, the ways the all of the combat all of like, the hand-to-hand combat that they do is so pretty. Like It's just
1: so well-realized. It feels like we haven't had a hand-to-hand fight in a while. Um, it is. Yeah, because is. we had Toys in the Attic, we had the episode with the satellites, Like there's no fighting going on there. So yeah, it's been a while since we've seen anything like this, and it's just as exciting as always. Uh, and next, we go to Jet, who has shown up on Callisto, he couldn't keep away, Poor he walks Jet. into this bar, and he orders a cowboy, um, and... The bartender, who is like the same bartender we've seen in every episode of the show. Uh it's just the same, drawn the same way. He is like, Oh, sorry, no uh no bounty heads here or something, making a joke about bounty hunters. And then it's like, oh haha, you mean a drink, not not that you're a bounty hunter. Okay. Um it's just like, or Jet is like, oh uh, yeah, whatever. whatever just sort of say, brushing dude. aside all of this. He's so down on his luck, he doesn't realize that he's in a bar full of bounty heads hiding from uh bounty hunters. Uh and then on the TV Big Shots shows, uh, or comes on, and they start talking about a double value bounty on this dude named Gren, and I wrote down his full name as listed there. His name is Grencia Mars Elijah Guo Ekener, something along those lines. It's a long ass name. Um, he's 29, And I also wrote down that because if he served in the war with Vicious, I thought maybe they were around the same age. Maybe that sort of means that Spike is also around the age of 29 somewhere. Um, It's hard to tell because they all seem so mature that it's hard to even imagine them in their 20s. -hmm. But also it's anime, so a mature anime character is generally like 18. Um, (laughs) So it's hard to tell. Um, But I did think it was interesting looking at Gren's full name. It seems like, and I don't know if this is a trend or if I'm just picking up on it now, if Now, they're not on Earth, so this guy isn't from Japan, so he doesn't just have a Japanese name, or he's not from England, and he has an English name. The way that that people live now, it's on different planets. There's this, like, um, galactic society, and it's almost like... His name is drawn from all these different cultures that that this person comes from. So there's like a little bit of Spanish in there. There's a little bit of Mars in there. There's um, a bit of you know German, whatever it is. It's like a collection of all the places that your family has has come from to make your one name. And I don't know if it's just this guy has a fancy long name or if that's just a little detail about this world. But I thought it was interesting.
0: Good, good pick up, Chris. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about that or what it what
1: it <laughs> represented at all. So I like that a lot. Um, um and once uh Jet sees that he he immediately thinks to call Spike. In fact he pulls out his radio and goes, Hey Spike and then he t- oh, turns yeah. it off and puts it away.
0: Oh yeah, I lost my best friend in a pissing contest. My bad. <laughs> I need to yeah. put this radio down. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, where the bartender basically tells uh, tells him like, "Hey man, don't worry. There's we're all bounty heads here. <laughs> like, we're, yeah. all, there's a cop over there that's wanted. I've got I've got a bounty out on me. Like, you, I, we know you're no bounty. You're b- bounty hunter. You're cool." And Jet's like, yeah. "Oh man, this is the this is the worst.
1: <laughs> you yeah, can't even do anything.
0: <laughs> They're like dangling at <laughs> his face." We jump back over to Faye, who is uh, walking down an alley and out loud is saying like, "Where is everybody? I was hoping to yeah, work out some frustration." She's waiting to be
1: pursued. So yeah, she she she's basically like
0: tr- <laughs> riling these dudes up so that she could go kick their ass, and it's fucking hilarious. And uh, of course, like the same gang shows up that Spike just beat up. Like, she, and uh, I think the leader says something like, "Your your your appearance is a um a slap <laughs> in our face, or is harsh for it's us a, unless you were trying to pro- to you know get a rise out of us unless you're trying to provoke us." Um.
1: It's a very, for some reason, it's a very articulate thing that he says.
0: Yeah, trying, um, even though they're exactly like about what? to harass her, <laughs> and she and she she does not care at all. She just puts on gloves because she's worried. As she says to them, like I'm worried if I don't put on gloves, I'll break a nail as I'm beating your ass essentially. Um, yeah. And as as the fight starts, and I was kind of expecting this to go pretty much the same way, except Grin shows up and grabs her by the arm and just kind of pulls her off, and then we get. Uh like another reprise of that one jazz and piano song or th- mm-hmm. the different version that you were talking about, like the same kind of jazz starts to play.
1: And Fay seems sort of taken with this. Like she could've kicked all kicked all their asses. There was there was no issue there. Like Faye could have handled it. Um so when she's rescued by Gren, she isn't taken because she was just rescued and it's exciting. She's taken because it seems like somebody cared. Like he ran to her rescue, and she didn't need saving. But the fact that somebody tried to, I think, means something to Faye um, because she doesn't really know what that's like. It seems like having people genuinely care for you because she worked so hard to push everybody away. Even when Spike came to rescue her in episode five, he told her like I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because of everything else that's going on. You're just going to happen to get saved because you're. part of this um but this dude gren who just you know runs and sort of risks his life to um to to help her it must it must strike Faye because her her mood continues down this this sort of strange path in the next scene
0: yeah this is um this is 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 a very weird scene to me because it's we're we're at gren's house and or to his apartment or whatever. Obviously, it's a very comfortable scene. Uh, Faye is warming up on the couch, and and he's bringing over what looks like sake of some kind, um, some sort of clear liquid anyway. Um, and they have this conversation, and it's. Like they have the, they have a pretty frank conversation about not trusting one another, and, and she says, "Well, you know, you told me you're not interested in, in women," and, and he says, "Well, I could be interested in your money or just killing you just because." Mm-hmm. And so, like essentially telling each other that they don't trust each other, but somehow doing that bonds them together in some way. Yeah. And and when that happens, Faye just starts like kind of laying her whole thing out to him, and at some point stops and says, "I don't even know why I'm telling you all of this." Like, I lays down on the couch like she's at a, a therapy session, but basically says, "You know, I'm I." i think he says why are you here alone and that's when she starts out like I, she can't have partners um because all yeah. of the guys would just start fighting over her and she would it's cause weird problems. yeah she
1: she laments how she's alone and she mm-hmm. says how the, the, the guys fight over like dogs but the way again that she it's weird to say the way that she's drawn the way that she's acting the scene um is where she just, like, she says they would, oh, they all just fight over me, and it's just a pain in the ass, but what she, you know, what her her body language says is how lonely she feels and how nobody cares about her and how she can't let people in, um, and it makes her feel bad. Um, but she says instead of feeling alone in a group, it's much better to feel real solitude all by yourself. Um, and... I think that that's that really helps to illuminate who who Faye is. She pushes people, she draws people in with like the way that she looks and the way that she acts, and she's very flirtatious with people, or, or she, and she's very cunning, and she's always trying to you know get people wrapped around her finger. But it doesn't give her anything. Like you can tell that none of that, none of her behavior ever makes her feel any better, and none of the relationships that she has with anybody make her feel any better, and she feels truly, truly alone. And I bet that even. Though Spike and Jet just had their their falling out in their argument, and it's the second time that we've seen them them do this. Um, she probably looks at them, Spike, Jet, Ed, and Ayn, and just feels like they are a family that she isn't a part of. And that's probably, we don't really see that too much, like, up front. It's just stuff that builds in the background, um, which led her to, to run away and steal their money, and she steals their money to make it seem like she was just trying to rob them blind, but really what Faye was doing was she was running away, and she was even creating an excuse for them to come after her.
0: Yeah, this... And this is this is this is obviously like a great insight into Faye's character because you know Grin just immediately says, "Well, you were you were afraid they would abandon you, so you abandoned them first. And she's kind right. of taken aback by that, Then she's like, "I can't you know I can't believe that." And uh, y- you've mentioned this a couple of times now. Like this is at the point where she sort of stretches out on the couch, and it's it's drawn very provocatively, like you get like this this really long shot of her of her legs or whatever and her body, which because she's barely wearing anything, um, but it really reminds me of like a like an old noir movie. Where a beautiful woman would come in, and she would be—you know—she was be either dressed up or, you know, or or she would be beautiful in some sort of way, like in whatever way that women can be beautiful, but also extremely distressed at the same time. And like you said, had that vulnerability. So even though she's drawn very provocatively, it doesn't come across as that at all. Like it doesn't come across as as anything. And it's kind of fascinating the way that they handle Faye in this, which I did not expect from the series at all.
1: Yeah, it's. It's like, we know Faye can can handle herself physically. She just proved that. Like, she was about to kick some, some ass. She was literally tempting a fight because there's, there's no concern on that front. So when we see her this way, in the mood that she's in, there's nothing, like, enticing about it. it like I said, it makes her feel vulnerable in a way like she is... She's just... She's exposed. She's she's vulnerable in an emotional way, Not even, it, but it's just represented through a physical way. And it, it just makes you, for me, it makes me feel sad for Faye.
0: Absolutely makes you feel sad for Faye. It makes you feel like, what, what happened to this woman, to put her this way, that she doesn't trust people? Like, what has she been through? that she has given up on the idea that she could possibly be within a group that she could be accepted for who she is um like what what did they do to you honey is right like that's the that's the (laughs) the classic line yeah
1: um Um, right before this right before Faye opens up she was playing with a little tiny broken music box that gren snatched out of her hand uh it doesn't come up again now but i wanted to mention it
0: okay uh he 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 um he offers, her to take, he offers a shower to us. Like, hey.
1: We should say that the moment is broken when she sneezes again.
0: Yeah, she sneezes like three times because apparently she hates the cold and same girl. I, know, I, know, I get what you yeah. Um... So he offers, to like, hey, do you want to go take a shower? And she's like, no, no, there's probably too many peeping Toms around here. And he says, well, I'm going to go take a shower. So, you know, I don't want you to be a peeping Tom. She's like, well, I can't promise that. Like, still being the, uh, the flirtatious kind of fate. Mm-hmm. Um, And as he's in the shower doing his thing, he, she starts looking at all of the pictures on his wall and seeing all of these people that she's with. And that's when the phone starts ringing. And she gets kind of nervous when the phone's ringing. And she's looking at this picture kind of, like, staring at it because she thinks she recognizes somebody. And as soon as it kind of clicks, the voicemail picks up, or the answering machine picks up, and it's vicious. And she's like, "Holy shit, it's vicious!" Because yeah. she, she's she's terrified of that dude because she you know got kidnapped by him the last time she right. saw. Right, and
1: she the, the picture she's looking at is it looks like they're in a bunker or something, and it's Gren and Vicious is in the background. Uh, and yeah, it's just as she realizes it's him that the that the phone picks up and you hear his voice on the answering machine. And again, it's another moment of like real terror. Just moments after she was so emotionally vulnerable, so open, and suddenly it's like this jagged thorn sticks up at her.
0: And uh, vicious leaves the the voice. The I keep saying voicemail because the answer machine messages don't exist. Um, anyway, uh, he live. He leaves this message to say, you know, hey, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm here. I want my money. It's going to be about thirty six thousand Wu or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on my way, basically. And, mm-hmm. as, and as he hangs up, uh, we are we go back to where he is, which is like getting off of his ship along with Lin and Spike coming at him directly out of the shadows, which I think is a really cool kind of way to cut something and like, give us that kind of sense of continuity of this is yeah. what's happening. Because from here on out uh, it feels like very much like things are happening at the same time and they keep cutting closer and closer back and forth between these two mm-hmm. settings and it's it's very very well done. As, as it always is. As it always has been so far.
1: Yeah. Um, it looks like they've just landed off their ship. They're at like a helipad kind of and, and mm-hmm. it's Spike emerging from like a shadowy street nearby and he walks out and he says, are you seeing Julia behind my back? And it's like, oh shit, we're about to go off. He's not—he's not sneaking around. He's not trying to shoot at Vicious from the shadows. He's walking out to confront him with that line. Are you seeing Julia behind my back? Um, and there's an immediate recognition between Lynn, the guy who's with uh, Vicious and Spike. Um, they know each other, but he—let's um, see. Vicious says, like, no, you, you don't work together anymore. Things have, things have changed since then. Um, meanwhile, that saxophone song is playing again. It's not, like, racketing up the tension with uh, intense battle music or anything like that. It's just yeah. slow, sad saxophone music. Um, Vicious says things have changed, and, and Spike says, like you using her name for your scummy drug deals, I pity her for that. And Vicious replies, if there's anyone who needs pity here, it's you. Um, they said, you know, they still haven't settled the score from last time, and as Spike draws his gun, Vicious is also getting ready to draw his sword. Um, and then we cut back to Faye back at Gren's apartment, and she's sort of sneaking up on him. And uh,
0: she sneaks in and she pulls the shower curtain down and uh, she kind of has this reaction, this like shocked reaction of what she's seen. And then we go back to Spike and Vicious and now Lynn steps directly in between them and I think there's some there's some recognition, but I think as Spike walked up, Lynn said Spike, and Spike was like, oh shit, it's Lin. Yeah. He up. They like, knew they, each, they, other, they each other clearly when,
1: when Spike was back at the syndicate, um, yeah. but we just don't know what their relationship was. Spike comments on how Lin has sort of grown up, so he mm-hmm. must have been a, a, a much younger man back then. Vish
0: uh, is through like around... Uh, Lynn's shoulder essentially around around Lynn Vicious says you know she was here right Julia yeah. was right here on this moon and we go back and um, we see uh, Faye who is still shocked and then the camera switches over to uh, Grin and we have this like full nude upper body kind of like scrolling up view and Grin has you know breast. And Mm -hmm. Faye reacts like, oh my god, you're a woman. Which one? And then she corrects herself. She's like, no wait, which which one are you? And Grin responds, I'm both at once and neither one. Mm -hmm. And then we hear a gunshot and we see the screen goes to black and we see snow falling as if it was like falling on our face and the camera kind of comes down and we see vicious and Lynn walking away from spike get on their ship and leaving. And the camera goes yeah. to spike and spike is just laying there on the ground,
1: staring up at the dark sky. And it was Lynn who shot him, you know, spike mm-hmm. had had just been saying a moment before, step aside Lynn so that he could shoot at vicious and they could yeah. fight. But it's actually Lynn who pulls the trigger this time and shoots spike. Um, and we're left with spike lying there with the snow falling from the dark sky and it looks just like it did when he was falling from the window in episode five after the explosion, when he was tossed out and the shards of glass were falling down. And, um, again, when he had that flashback and there was like the flower petals sort of drifting down, drifting down in his vision. So it's this repeated sort of, um, motif of, of these sort of things floating, floating down over the dark sky.
0: Yeah, this is, um, So, obviously, there's a big shock here where, uh, you know, Grin has has something c- weird going on with his body. Um, we, we don't know exactly what yet. I, I looked ahead a little bit by accident, uh, but I, I, I realized all of this is going to get revealed and we're going to find out exactly what's going on with his genetics here here in the next episode, mm-hmm. the next session. Uh, what's up with Spike? Did Lynn actually shoot that dude? <laughs> I feel like Spike has been dodging yeah. bullets all, all <laughs> for the last 12, 12 sessions and now all of a sudden we're here. Uh, so it kind of leaves us at a, at a cliffhanger and kind of a, with a lot of questions. Um, but still like, with, because I feel like this this thing with gremlin could be handled in a in a really poor way uh and up to this point has not been so i'm, I'm very hopeful that it's not going to be handled very poorly in the next session i very much doubt it is because since we announced the show publicly finally today like everybody has told me that it's the best anime of all time and i can't imagine being like oh it's the best of anime of all time except for that one egregious part it's in like, the middle. Yeah, hugely <laughs>
1: problematic thing yeah, yeah. so uh, i'm, I'm not too always- worried about that. <laughs> We want to we want to tread lightly, and we hope that the show does too. Because I, I mean, I don't remember it being weird um, or being um, problematic, but it's been a long time since I've seen the show. I was a younger man last time, so we will uh, we will find out.
0: Yeah, um, what what a great episode though. I'm almost I'm kind of yeah. glad that we did this the way we did it, so we have the cliffhanger. Like it's going to make me appreciate this a little bit more. I think I'm, definitely I, I, for his. Like, media nowadays is like, oh, I can immediately go watch the next five things after this, so I don't have to wait for anything anymore. And uh, to, to like, kind of force myself to wait for this is going to be a lot of fun, I think.
1: Yeah, and, um, I mean, overall, this episode, I was surprised at how much it told us about Faye. Uh, In the past, I I always really focused on Spike, I think, because he was sort of, you know, he's sort of the main character, and he was my favorite. I thought he was really cool. Um, But now that I'm a little older... And a little bit more uh, wise to the podcast game. <laughs> I've learned to recognize um, a few other things, and I, and I think what we learn about Faye here is really, really telling. Um, and it's not like it's hidden, you know, it's very obvious, her behavior, but it's um, it's it's brought her into a new light for me, and it makes me appreciate her a lot more. Because even when we were starting this, I was worried that she was going to be this over-sexualized character that um, would, would seem weird in 2018. And it they they do a lot to even work with that and subvert that, and I think it I think it works well.
0: Yeah, I do too. I think it works very well. Um, I, uh, I I think this episode is great. I I love this jazzy uh, quasi Russian kind of atmosphere especially yeah. with, the, with the,
1: the choice of like location and setting is so cool
0: so interesting yeah and it's so different than anything that we've seen before so that's i, I found that i found that you know anytime that you give me something totally new but it's still in the same style i'm, I'm very happy like that's what like there's a consistency to all of these places uh within the differences that i find just it's, it's just it just speaks to how well this is realized and as an art form right. um the, the it's, this is one of the, this is one of our like plot heavy episodes especially since it's mm-hmm. part one, part two, uh, giving us a lot of back, not backstory, but giving us a lot of insight into Faye, the way that they did with Jet in the, in the previous session. I just, I just, I am so on board for this. I can't, I just can't wait to watch the next two. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't say enough. It's thinking about episode five, which is going to probably come up as a comparison a lot when we, when we do the show. Um, because episode five is, is the one that I love so much and, and you obviously really loved it. and, it's so striking visually like the church and and the purple and everything they do in that but then you look at this the city that they're in 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 callisto and it doesn't have that singular striking image the same way but the whole place is because it stands out even with spike in his jacket like he looks different and he still acts like a fucking badass and he makes that pink puffy jacket look sick but it's it's not that singular stained glass establishing shot that we used before, but this whole place works really well to establish a tone and a, and a feeling.
0: It's, it's just so nice. And it's just such a, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I need to talk more about how great this shoe is. I, like, I can't, I can't, I can't say enough good things about it. Like I'm so on the hook for it now. It's, it's really hard to wait for, cause we usually do about one of these a week and sometimes we miss one cause we don't, we're not really on a schedule for it. So it's really hard to wait to, to watch these before the podcast. Cause I just want to blaze through the entire <laughs> series. So, um, I think, I, I think that's it. I think I'm just going to start repeating myself if okay. I keep going. Do you okay. have any last thoughts that you'd like to no, get out well, there? No, I think
1: we can leave it at that. I'm excited to, to cover the next episode.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We mentioned this at the top of the show. This is the first episode we recorded since uh, we announced all of this stuff, and the feedback has been really, really great. Uh, thank you to Two Mellow Makes on Twitter for, uh, or I think he's at Mellow Makes on Twitter, Two Mellow Makes on Bandcamp for the intro and the outro. Uh, we got to debut the the cover art from at um, Vodka Foley BB on Twitter. Um, um, and that's just fantastic it's me and chris it's some some bebop s characters and some bebop s style and that's just boy is that great um so th- thank you to to both of those guys thank you for yeah, listening you, uh and thank you to all the patrons who made this happen so I, I hope you're enjoying these episodes and telling your friends to come get them thanks everybody uh chris are you still at local bones on twitter i am at
1: local bones on
0: twitter I am at J.G. Greer. Come talk to the podcast at MOTWCast. Uh, we are going to do a feedback episode for this podcast eventually. So uh, go ahead and get that in. Uh, go to cool slash contact and uh, go to send us your letters. I will compile all yeah. of those. You don't have to wait. So like if we say something right. now, send it to us now and if you send us something later, I'll just put those two together. Like I'm, right. I'm fucking magic like but
1: that. Whether it's your, your thoughts on the show, your interpretations of scenes or your experience watching it for the first time. I love hearing that kind of thing. Like, Me Did you too. randomly yeah. stumble upon it? It some saturday night on adult swim or, or what was your story with it anything like that send it in
0: yeah I'll, i very much want to hear people's first times with this so uh, thank you everybody for listening uh and we'll, we'll see you next time and remember don't give up space cowboy